Let's open our Bibles again to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16 this morning. And um, let's back it up a little bit here and get more of the context. Verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Surely the most well-known passage of Scripture concerning love is 1 Corinthians 13, where the Apostle Paul describes love as being patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We can find this scripture hanging on uh, the walls of many Christian homes throughout our world. It's so well known and its poetry is so loved that even sometimes we see it hanging on the homes of non-believers. But we need to understand something really significant this morning, and that is that though it's possible for a non-Christian to appreciate the simplicity and beauty of this kind of poetic language about the love of God, it's impossible for him or her to live it out. In fact, even as believers, it's difficult, isn't it? To love as God has loved us. And yet we find here in this passage of Scripture great encouragement because we understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it possible for us to love one another. That love is rooted in God's love toward us in Christ. And so I, I've tweaked the, the passage and the title a little bit this morning because the more that love is rooted in God's love for us in Christ and that we are powerless to love others the way that God has loved us. And yet there is great encouragement here. And that brings us to our big idea this morning, and that is that the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ, and love is the evidence of his continual presence. So the moment you and I as sinners come to faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. And this Holy Spirit then inseparably unites us to Jesus our Lord. 
so much so that we instantly become co-heirs with him and we are seated with him in the heavenly places. That's what it means to be united to Christ by faith. This is the work of the Holy Spirit or we might refer to him as the Spirit of Christ. Just been something that's been really helpful for me in the last few years, thinking of one of the titles of the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of Christ, and that is that the Holy Spirit is the manner in which he's the person who dwells within us, but he is the Spirit of Christ, and so Christ dwells in us via the Holy Spirit, okay? So the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the Spirit of Christ, and so Christ is in us as it says in numerous places in the New Testament. But what John is making clear to us here this morning is that all godly virtue and love supremely flows out of our union with Christ. It finds its deepest expression in love, that is our union with Christ, finds its deepest expression in love. So as followers of Jesus, we are called to witness to the love of God in Christ by loving one another. Colossians 3.14 says it this way, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so this is why Scripture testifies that love is the supreme Christian virtue. The greatest of these is love because love is the belt that ties together all other expressions of Christ-likeness in our lives. The Apostle John then describes in more detail what this love looks like. And that's one of the key lessons that we've been learning here in this book. We know John as the Apostle of Love or the Beloved Disciple. And the reason for that is because he had the closest relationship with Jesus compared to the other 11 disciples who lived and walked with Jesus for those three years of public ministry. So John, the apostle of love, is the one who calls our attention to the significance of love and roots it in the love of God. So the love which God commands us to practice is not natural to us. It's not natural to us to love others as God has loved us. That is, without the Holy Spirit, our ability to love others as God loves us is impossible. It's like our house when there are high winds. We live outside the city in a heavily wooded area, and so it's almost guaranteed that we lose our power any time there is a storm. And yet, thankfully, the previous owner of the house left a generator in the outbuilding. And so when the power goes out, I just walk outside, I fill up that generator with gasoline, I tug on it a few times until it starts, then I flip a couple switches, and then we have power again in our house, at least enough to keep us warm and to to have a few lights on. Without that generator, there would be no power. There would be no current flowing through the house. 
Well, the Holy Spirit is, is a little bit like that generator, but infinitely better. He is our divine empowerment to live for Christ. He is the one on whose power we depend because we don't have the power in and of ourselves to love the way that God loves us. We might have the power to love in a way that the world would say, ah, that's pretty decent, that looks, that looks good. But we don't have the ability to love in a self-sacrificial way, the way that God has loved us. We don't have the power in and of ourselves to consistently consider other people more important than ourselves. We fight against the temptation of self-love at every turn. We have to remain connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. The power is always there. But we only experience his power as we walk in love and obedience. God says that sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench his power in our lives due to our disobedience, our, our pride, or our our unwillingness to listen to God's word. Therefore, the book of Ephesians exhorts us this way, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. So the only words we are supposed to speak to one another are words that build each other up, even when we have to lovingly come alongside one another for the sake of correction. That correction must be done in a spirit of grace and love to build up the other person. Paul goes on, as fits the occasion. In other words, our words that we speak to one another need to be appropriate for the occasion, for the circumstance. We have all said things at the wrong time. And we've all said wrong things, perhaps what we, when we thought it was the right time. But Paul says at the appropriate time, or as, if, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That our words are supposed to give grace to others. And do not grieve, here, here's the exhortation, do not grieve along with all malice. Forgive one another as God has forgiven us in Christ. So the whole point here is that God has given to us the Spirit of God who is a continual presence and he is the one on whom we must depend if we are going to grow in this kind of Christ-like love. We don't have the power in and of ourselves. And so perhaps if you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, perhaps a better way, uh, if, if you're thinking, Lord, I want to be more loving this year, perhaps a better way to determine that resolution is to say, Lord, I want to depend upon the Spirit of God more that I might grow in love. See, one is a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm going to do this. And that's why by day three, we often fail. And perhaps by January 14th, we've given up altogether. But if we go into whatever 
changes we want God to make in our lives dependent on the Holy Spirit, we're going to see growth, the kind of growth that God wants us to see. So everyone who is truly saved has the divine power to love others as God loves us in Christ. What that means then is I can't should not be a part of a Christian's vocabulary. If, if what God is asking us to do, he has also empowered us to do by the Holy Spirit, we can't say, well, I can't. I, ju- I just can't do that. And in 30 plus years of pastoral ministry and personal discipleship and counseling and, and all kinds of other uh, relationships that are trying to be helpful, I have found that in my own life and in the life of many, many believers, sometimes I can't is really I won't. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to do that which God has commanded us to do. I don't have a generator is not an excuse that's going to stand up at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Because we have the Holy Spirit of God within us to change us the way that God wants to change us. And we all have a lot of area, those areas of our life where God wants to change us and grow us and make us more like Christ. And so the encouragement we have from John is God doesn't expect us to make these changes in our own power. He already knows we're powerless. And he's given us the Spirit of God. 2 Peter 1.3 should be a great encouragement to us. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What does that mean? That means that everything that pertains to living for Christ and be being godly has already been given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. His divine power has given us all things. So the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ and love is the evidence of his continual presence. John is teaching us that bearing witness of the love of God in Christ is a fruit of the Holy Spirit who abides in us as believers. So this morning, there are three truths that God wants you to hear and apply from this passage of Scripture. Number one, the abiding spirit assures you that you know Christ and God's love abides in you. Look at verses 12 and 13. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know That's an assurance statement. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to testify to our spirit that we really belong to Jesus, that we belong to Christ, that we are saved. God is invisible. And so it is through our growth in love for one another that God becomes visible to our watching world. 
It is how his love is perfected in us or brought to completion as we grow in our love for one another. And this is a ministry of the Spirit. Uh, Look back with me at at the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8. Paul speaks here of this ministry of the Holy Spirit giving us assurance that we belong to Christ. Uh, Romans 8, uh, let's pick it up in verse 12. Well, actually, let's go back up to uh, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So here it is. The, The power to live the Christian life does not come from our own determination, though we ought to be determined to grow. The power comes from the spirit of God. So then, brothers... Verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we don't have the power to live for God according to the flesh because the flesh only leads to death. But we have the spirit of God for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the Holy Spirit within us testifies to our spirit through the word of God, through the changes that we see him making in our lives, through the love that we have for one another and we, as we see that growing the Spirit of God is giving us assurance that we belong to Christ, that the Spirit lives within us. And this testimony of the Spirit of God then empowers us to suffer well. You know why Christians suffer differently than non-Christians? Because of the Spirit of God. Because of the Spirit of God within us. Oh, we still struggle. The pain at times is just indescribable. The sense of hopelessness and despair that can come over us is real. And yet, there's something, someone, who sustains us, even in the most difficult times. It is the Spirit of God within us who is assuring us, you're a fellow heir with Christ. This world is not your home. This life is not everything. There is something greater. One day, you will be glorified. One day, you will be in the very presence of the Savior. And focusing on that, then puts all earthly suffering in its proper perspective. This is a ministry of the Spirit of God. 
as we love one another, John says, God's love is perfected in us. It is brought to completion. William MacDonald says it this way, God's love is given to us, not that we might hoard it for ourselves, but that it might be poured out through us to others. I don't know if you have any hoarders in your life, or maybe you are one. But when it comes to the love of God, may I say to you, don't be a hoarder. We should not be hoarders of the love of God. We should be pouring it out to others as God has poured it out to us. There's a second truth. The abiding spirit enables you to confess Christ as Lord from the heart. Look at what John says in 14 and 15. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Okay, so that's the testimony of Scripture. That's the testimony of the Gospel. That's the testimony, really, of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, most clearly testified in the New Testament with the coming of Christ. That the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That God so loved us as sinners that he took the initiative to rescue us in and through the work of Christ. Whoever confesses then, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. See, This too is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit within us is the one who gives us the ability to confess Jesus as Lord from the heart. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says it this way, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, anyone can say the words, the three words, Jesus is Lord. Anybody who can speak can say those words if they choose to say those words. But the point is, no one can testify accurately, truly, from their heart that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to confess Christ as Lord, not just with our lips, but also with our lives. That our lives become a growing testimony of the lordship of Jesus Christ. That Christ is king and he is worth following with every breath you have. The Spirit of God gives us that ability to confess with our lips and with our lives. The Holy Spirit opens our spiritual eyes so that we see ourselves as lost and in need of the Savior. It's the Holy Spirit then who brings us to faith in Christ. This is a ministry of the Spirit of God. Whoever has the Spirit of God can testify from their heart that Jesus is Lord. But the times like this, the Lord's Supper, times like this, the beginning of a new year, give us incentive, we might say, to stop and evaluate and look at our lives and say, how much does my life 
match my verbal testimony. My verbal testimony that Christ is Lord. That he's not just the Lord, but he's my Lord. How does that then compare, or how does my life compare with that testimony? And so we ought to be saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, cause me to depend more upon you each and every day that my life will look like Jesus is Lord and be attractive to the world that Jesus is a king worth following. He is Lord. It's the abiding spirit who enables us to do that. And there's a third truth we see here in verse 16. That is the abiding spirit settles you in the love of God. I just love this verse. I don't know that I've really thought much about this verse prior to preparing for this morning, but just look at what John is saying. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Okay, so that love that is testified of in the gospel that God so loved us as sinners that he gave his only son to die in our place, to be raised from the dead in order to give us eternal life, that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. That's the greatest testimony of the love of God as we've already seen more than once in this book. The cross of Calvary is the greatest testimony to the love of God. And yet we can even look at the ways that God so lovingly cares for us. We should be able to look back on 2022 and see the ways that God has been faithful to love us, to care for us. Yes, there have been very many difficult times as well. I don't know what 2022 was like for you. But for me, it was a year of of great blessing and unexpected blessing in many ways. But it was an incredibly difficult year too. An exhausting year. And so we can look backwards though and we can see, oh, God has so loved us. So we've come to know this. We've come to believe this, this love that God has for us. God is love. It's his nature. It's his character. That's not all that God is. Love is not all that God is, as we saw last week. But all that God does toward his people is done in love. It's his nature to love. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So again, what we see here is we are the recipients of John says, then we are also abiding in love. Does that make sense? Because God is love. So, Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. 
This is a work of the Spirit of God. Now, we've looked at John 16 before, but let me just remind you of what Jesus said as he has just let his disciples know that he's going to be leaving. They get very nervous. They become very anxious, fearful about the future. And so he gives them words of assurance. And chiefly among those words of assurance is that when I go, I will send to you another helper. I will send to you the Spirit, my Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. And so we see that testimony of Jesus in John 16, and we see this testimony here in 1 John 4, and we come to this conclusion that the Spirit of truth is also the Spirit of love. This, I think, is so significant for us to remember. Because one of my life goals is to become more and more like Jesus, who the Gospel of John says was full of grace and truth. And I can look back on my Christian life, and I can see for quite a long period of time, I was pretty consumed with being connected to the spirit of truth. But alongside that commitment to truth, there was not the same equal balance of love. There was truth, because God is truth, and I must love truth, and I must live truth, and I must teach truth, and I must stay committed to truth. But sadly, there was also a good deal of harshness alongside that. And, and God has shown me that over the years and has resurrected, so to speak, this longing in my heart to be like Christ who is, John says, full of both grace and truth. And I don't know where you're at, at that pendulum, in that pendulum, because we, we seem to swing back and forth. Spirit of truth, spirit of grace, spirit of truth, spirit of grace. And, and God wants us to be somewhere mixed up in the middle here where we love truth because Christ is truth. And God's word is truth. And we have to love God's truth with all of our heart. But if that's really true experientially in us, then we also ought to be growing in the spirit of love, grace and truth, truth and love. And so I would submit that to you as being a great resolution, but not just for 2023, from now until you see Jesus face to face that you would pray along with me, Holy Spirit, who is spirit of truth and spirit of love, so work in my heart to cause me to be more like Christ, who is both filled with truth, the embodiment of truth, and who is also the embodiment of love. That would be a life-transforming prayer for us. It would be a church-transforming prayer for us. It would be a world-transforming prayer for us. So look with me at Ephesians 3, because I'm landing here 
Because I think this is a good way for us to pray for each other throughout the year. As your pastor, as one of your shepherds, I'm making a commitment to you this morning that this is how I'm going to pray for you this year. These verses is what I'm going to be praying for you. And I ask that you would pray those verses for me as well. And that we would pray them for each other. That together we would grow in this area of love. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his, what? Spirit. Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in what? Love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Then this is how we need to pray for each other. And so let's pray. Father, we do bow the knees of our heart to you this morning. Your word tells us that you are our Father. First, you are our Father in the sense of being our Creator, that you originated us. And yet, sin has disrupted the relationship that you intended. And yet, your mercy and grace have gone to work overtime for us and we now can know you as Father in relationship when we come to Jesus and he reconciles us to you. And this is the the riches of your glory, Lord. We are who we are this morning because of the riches of your grace and your mercy toward us. And we ask, Father, that you may strengthen us with power through your spirit who already lives within us. He's already present in our inner being as followers of Christ. And Lord, help us to to live more dependently upon the spirit of God so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Oh God, we love the truth because we live in a world filled with lies. And so we find such comfort and safety and protection in the truth of your word. And may we never compromise that, Lord. But at the same time, would you please cause us to be rooted and grounded in love as well 
that, that we will have the strength to comprehend with all the saints that have gone before us and those who are in the world even now the breadth, the length, the height of your love. This immeasurable, indescribable love that you have toward us. That we will know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In other words, we wouldn't just know about the love of Christ in our heads, in our belief system, but we would know the love of God in Christ in how we live that people around us would see the love of Christ flowing from us and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Do this kind of mighty heart-transforming work in us, Lord. As we move into this new year, and we pause to evaluate. We pause to reflect on your faithfulness to us as we pause to reflect on our own relationship with you and how we have been walking with you or perhaps not walking with you. Lord, would you just so overpower us, our mind and our heart, with the love of God in Christ that we will want nothing more than to follow this loving God and Savior in the power of the Spirit of truth who is also the Spirit of love. Do this work in us, we pray, for the glory of our Savior. Amen.